Hello, everyone, and welcome to HSH Presents. My name is Kayla McKee, and I'm also here with Mars Taylor, and we're going to be your hosts this episode. We are part of the media production team for HSH, bringing you this podcast, and we're here to get you up to date this week on all of the fascinating things happening here in the College of Human Sciences and Humanities, from poignant student topics to faculty endeavors and all kinds of collaborations in between. Here is where you want to be to find out just what HSH presents. Hello, listeners. It is Friday, April 23rd. Welcome back to another episode of HSH. I know over the past few weeks, we've been talking about lots of different subjects that have been coming into the field. However, with the end of the semester being high on our radar, we thought it would be a really interesting time to talk about something that Mars and I both actually wanted a little bit more information on, considering we're both students. And that would be Mars. Would you like to tell them what we're going to be covering this week? It is course evaluations. Yay! Course evaluations. <laughs> so, and so this week we're going to get to speak with two students from the public relations campaigns class who've been doing a lot of student-led research and tactics uh, in getting course evaluations a little bit more recognized with the student body. And we'll also be speaking with... I will be speaking with Dr. Christine Walter, who has a very close hand in the course evaluations and how they work. So this week, we're really excited to bring you both sides of the coin of the evaluation situation. And we can't wait to get started. So without any further ado, let's begin with our first interview. Hello and welcome. Um, I have with us today Tiffany McCleary and Marissa Skidmore. They are both students from the PR campaigns class in the communications department. And this is a course that is pretty, pretty neat and unique as it pertains to HSH. We have two wonderful students who are um, very kind enough to meet with us today to kind of give us a little scope into what the course is and how um, they are doing in it and how what they're learning from. Uh, first, I would like to go ahead and we'll start by introducing each of you. Tiffany, would you like to go first? Sure. Yeah. Um, I'm Tiffany McCleary. You you pretty much touched on my, I'm a communications major. Um, I have maybe a, a sort of unique set of experiences because I've returned to college um, in my mid thirties. So I have a lot of real world work experience under my belt before coming back to this program. Um, and a lot of that work has been in marketing, social media, public relations. So this class has really helped me to sort of like put the education with the work experience. I've, I've been able to benefit from the work experience in the class. And I've also been able to learn things in the class. I've, you know, can transfer over to real world experience that I haven't had yet. So, um, yeah, that's me. I love it. And Marissa, uh, would you mind introducing yourself? 
Of course. Hi, I'm Marissa Skidmore. I'm a senior comm major as well. Um, and like Tiffany, I kind of had a non-traditional college experience. So after high school, I started working in customer service jobs, um, Starbucks, Ann Taylor Loft. Um, so I was the shift manager in those jobs. And then I started bartending. Um, and then I joined the Coast Guard. And so I got a little bit of operational experience uh, before, before the Coast Guard sent me to school um, at UHCL to study communication. So um, it's been a lot of fun for me too to piece together my work experience with my school experience and kind of reconcile the two, especially in Dr. Klieva's PR campaigns class. So for our listeners who aren't so familiar with the PR campaigns, or maybe they're not communications majors, could you guys sum up a little bit about what the course is and what you guys are doing in the course? Yeah, well, I mean, like you said, it's about as real world as it can get. So when we say PR campaigns, I mean, it's truly running a PR campaign from start to finish for a real client. So starting with the research, starting with the the SWOT analysis and implementing tactics and going throughout the whole process of the idea, the research, the ideas, the implementation, the reporting. So, I mean, just very real world, like this is as close as you can get to having a, a job as a publicist or a public relations um, practitioner. Just to clarify real quick, because I realize I, I didn't state exactly what PR is. PR is going to be public relations. So it is a public relations campaign course for those who are a little unfamiliar with um, the communications field and, and the things that happen within there. Yeah, so another fun, another fun um, and sometimes challenging aspect of the course is that is also very much like the workforce is that we're working, um, we're working as a team. And so every team member has a different set of experiences or maybe doesn't have as much experience. So, so you're also getting, you're also getting leadership experience and um, as well as learning how to, to be a part of a team, how to be a follower and And that's also very valuable as well. Yeah, I mean, Marissa nailed it. Like, I haven't necessarily had a position where I had to work with a team so much as I have in this group. I've had positions where I maybe had to, you know, coordinate with one or two other people, but this is truly like a collaborative team effort. So you do get the experience of the people who are really taking the ball and running with it, the people who need a little more guidance. And you have to sort of look at it from a professional standpoint, like, okay, if I'm going to be in a in a leadership position, I can't just leave these people behind. Like, how do I help them along the way? So she totally nailed it with that. I mean, it's so real. Like this is... It, It's like, this is what you're going to deal with in the real world. So here's a little taste of it. So I know you guys keep talking about group work and teamwork. Would you guys care to let us know a little bit of what you guys are doing in the class uh, for this time? I I know uh, y'all have some really, really fascinating 
uh, topics that you guys have been covering. And I, I, I'd love for you guys to just go ahead and let us know um, what you guys are, what, what campaign you guys are working on in the course. Yeah, um, we are, we're, the team name is Evaluation Seekers, and that's exactly what we're doing. We've been tasked by the Center for Faculty Development to increase student um, online course evaluation response rates. They've moved, so before the pandemic and everything, they were done on Scantrons in class as well as digitally, but now they've gone to strictly digital. And because of that, the response rate has really, it's gone down. I think, what was it like 23% Marissa or like 30%? I can't remember the number off my top of my head, but um, went down really low. And so our job is to engage the students, find creative ways to get them to evaluate their professors at the end and not only to evaluate them, but to take the time to make it constructive and not just, you know, some frivolous, like offhanded remarks about the classroom being too early or like, you know, people get bad grades sometimes just because they're not putting in the effort. So what we really want to do is educate students on why it's so important that they utilize these evaluations to provide constructive criticism. Yeah, so it's so our campaign is to increase course evaluation rates. Um, and it's really fascinating because before we could start the campaign, first we had to diagnose the issue. We had to look at what the problem was. So, um, or if there was a problem or what's been going well. And so, so we've started from the very beginning, which is defining what is our situation? What are the problems and opportunities? And then deciding how, how can we leverage um, different tactics and strategies to, to have our, our final product, which ultimately the goal is to increase um, course evaluation. So it's, it's really from start to finish an entire, um, an entire diagnosis and treatment process. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's probably one of the most interesting parts about this is that we're not just going in and like doing a project, right? We're not just going in and like saying, yeah, we want to do these tactics. I mean, like she said, we had to start from research. We had to start from reading, reading research that's already been conducted as well as conducting our own research and figuring out why. And that's something that I really wanted to uh, ask you guys about was you guys keep bringing up research and needing to have to go through everything to evaluate it. What was some of the research that you guys did? How did you guys go about finding out um, what needed to be diagnosed? So, so one of the first things that we did was look at what what is going on with online course evaluations across the nation? Is this a problem that only UHCL is facing or is this something that other universities are experiencing too? Because UHCL is not the first university to shift to online surveys. And actually um, a, lot of, a lot of universities have already kind of made this switch years ago. So we were able to learn from what other universities were kind of going through and their growing pains and um, use that to better understand what was going on at UHCL. 
And so what we found was that other universities did struggle when they moved to online surveys and it was for a variety of reasons. Um, students, students weren't as likely to fill out the course evaluation surveys when it was on their own time. Um, students didn't always get consistent reminders or information about course evaluation surveys. So I kind of focused on the research that was done across the nation and then the rest of the team actually did research for UHCL. Yeah, so the um, some of our other research that we conducted was a student survey asking our UHCL student body do they, are they even aware of student evaluations? Do they understand why they're important? Do they know, like when the window is, have they done them consistently? Why they do them, why they don't do them? So we ran that survey as well as speaking to some of the faculty. We spoke to the head, um, Dr. Barch, the head of the Center for Faculty Development, and of course, Dr. Cueva to ask them, what are some of the struggles that you see in as an administrator, as a professor, um, what do you see being a struggle for you communicating with students? So we really tried to hit on every like angle, look at it from every different perspective that we could find. After going through your guys' initial research, how did that inform what you guys went about next? Because um, I know a campaign isn't based just on research. You guys have to take that research and do something with it. Uh, what are some of the tactics that you guys have done while trying to bring this, uh, this change for your campaign? Well, there have been a lot of tactics that we originally came up with and started to execute and they didn't work. And so we've had to pivot. So there, there've been a lot of the things, a lot of things that we've done. Um, I think most successfully have, has been creating social media content that reaches the students in a sort of fun, relatable, engaging way, and then getting that distributed, which has, I'm sure you're going to ask, what are some struggles? That's going to be one of them, but I'll save that. Like, for that no. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so once we finally started getting that social media out um, and getting it emailed throughout the departments and the reminders emailed throughout the departments, that was sort of one of the bigger tactics that was part of our campaign. Um, we will be hosting an event that's happening tomorrow. So that's another tactic that we're, we're actually going to get like boots on the ground, go out and speak to students, be able to talk to them in person. Why aren't you evaluating? Have you done it yet? Let's do it. Let's talk about it. Um, and let's talk about what sort of feedback you should provide and what you shouldn't, because one of our strategies is like educating and forming, not just go do your evaluations, but here's why and here's how. And another thing that that we decided on that was informed from the research um, at UHCL, but also from research across the country is that professors sometimes feel um, uncomfortable asking the students to give evaluations, but professors are often the ones who, the reason why students know when evaluations are coming up and they get their information from the professors. So, so professors are the ones who are informing students, um, but it's not very consistent because there's not a third party entity that's giving the same information to the students. And so 
so one thing that was a big focus of our campaign was making sure that we equip professors with materials that they can distribute and it's optional, but if they choose to distribute it, then they have, they have something that's made up for right. them and they don't have to feel uncomfortable asking their students like, hey guys, these are really, really important to me. Yeah. Can you grade me? <laughs> Yeah, that's the thing. We constructed an email that kind of takes the pers the personal aspect from the professor out. It's like they are sharing an email. They're not typing this email and asking for the feedback. They're sharing the information. So it sort of takes that pressure off of them where there could be a conflict of interest. You know, the professors also have a vested interest in this because their reputation, their tenure, all of these things are hinged upon it. And you are going to get some students who are not constructive. You're going to get some students who are just throwing things out there. It seems like that seems to be the case, not only course evaluations, but this seems to also play towards the fall when they have the mini Piper awards. It's that danger of, um, am I hyping? Like, do I sound like I'm trying yeah. to tote myself or Conflict is this something I need? Yeah. And, and that's something that a lot of our, our listeners might not realize is that it is for feedback. It is specifically to uh, build them and to recognize what can change in the curriculum and for students to have a voice. And so I think you guys drafting up emails and, and like a, a concrete thing to send and say, I think that is quite brilliant. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think we're pretty proud of it. But yeah, I mean, you nailed it. Like, students just don't really understand the importance of it and it's and it is to improve the quality of the education that you are going to get that future students are going to get and ultimately we're all graduating from the school it's a school that we want to be proud to say we graduated from so we have to really understand why it's important that we give our feedback to and you know improve the reputation of the school improve the quality of education they can provide so i know when you guys were putting together your research y'all had came up with some, I, I know we were speaking about emails and, and concrete things to send to the professors to have a, a nice localized voice on the situation, but you guys actually found some pretty uh, informative pieces for our student body as well. Mm -hmm. um, would you guys mind touching on like the four points that you guys had really uh, stressed in that email? Um, so one of the first things is that students were saying they didn't have time, um, end of, end of the semester, they're too busy with finals. So we wanted to make sure that they knew it is so quick. It's so easy. We try to produce materials on the QR code that you can literally scan it, do your, um, do your evaluations in just a couple of minutes. The other thing is that the majority of students didn't understand that these were completely anonymous. Your professors do not know that it was you. Yeah, of course, you may provide feedback that they will know it's you, but they don't get this feedback until after the long after the semester is over, actually. Um, the feedback does not go to them. It goes to UCT. Um, then it's like packaged up and given to the professors at a later date. So there is no risk of retaliation or like your grades suffering because of feedback. And, you know, hopefully your feedback is constructive and understandable. It doesn't have to be nasty, but you don't have to worry about being identified because they won't know. Marissa, did you want to speak on some of the other? 
course evaluations give students a really unique opportunity to have their voice be heard by their teachers for one, but also the administration. And it, it helps shape uh, the quality of education that UHCL is able to provide. And so it's, it's really, it's really exciting. And it's really cool that um, students are able to, to have such a big impact, um, not only for future students, not only for their professors, but for, for the goals of the university as a whole. And so we, I think that our team, as we sort of put that together, um, realized that this is a really important campaign and, and it kind of motivated us to put, to do our best work because it does matter so much. That didn't, I mean, that didn't uh, mean that there weren't obstacles um, to make all of that happen, but but it it is something that I think as students learn about and as awareness gets spread, um, there there will be more positive response rates. Yeah, I think to piggyback on what Marissa said before we started doing this, um, when the clients presented the their issues to us, Marissa and I both jumped on this one. It was both, it was something we both felt um, like called to work on. But as we did the research, I think we also learned, oh, wow, this is a really important thing. We didn't even, you know, we didn't even realize at the time, like the ripple effect it has on how many different people and inst the institution and everything. So it has been a really great learning experience. Like you see this issue, you see this little issue, and then you start digging in and you just see how much broader it is. And so it's been really eye-opening. And I think that's what we're trying to do is also let the students see that. Throughout this campaign, what are some of the moments that you guys have had like a ton of fun with? You guys have just had creative liberties or gotten to go ahead and do what have been your favorite moments throughout working this campaign and, and doing the research and finding out about this, this uh, issue this semester? Yeah, <laughs> lots of good ideas, right? <laughs> yeah. So when we, so when we started brainstorming, like before we were even supposed to start coming up with strategies and tactics, we had so much fun and our dreams were so limitless. <laughs> they were like, we, so, and I think that we had a lot of fun just being dreamers, like, yeah. like let's get a billboard on Times Square. <laughs> <We're kidding. laughs> yeah, no, we, we had so many ideas and we, in our minds and in our hearts, we're like, we're going to blow this out of the water. Like, look at these ideas, man. This is amazing. That brainstorming part was the most fun part. <laughs> so after, yeah. after the brainstorming, I know, <laughs> I, I, and I know you guys have touched on it here and there. I know sometimes things don't always go to plan. Uh, so how have you guys conquered adversity during your campaign as Ross Geller said pivot <laughs> pivot <laughs> we're pivoting every day it seems like yeah I mean we have had to we've come up with an idea had to scrap it all together come up with a new idea had to change the execution of that idea I think the key has been 
being flexible and being open um, because we, there's been so much red tape. There's been so much, you need approval here. It's just been one after another door shut in our face. And Marissa and I are like, all right, next, next idea. Let's go. We are also really annoying. So (laughs) I'm not joking. So we do follow-up emails like a lot. (laughs) we follow up <laughs> but in the, yeah. but in this day and age I mean because especially think about it being still under a global pandemic and things going on our options of contact are fairly limited <laughs> it's not quite yeah, yeah it's not quite you can just kind of like run up and be like hey can you share this with your office blah, 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 blah. oh and it's so easy for somebody to ignore you when they don't know who you are they don't know how serious you are they don't have to like they can just glance at their email and be like, this is a student and they don't give it another thought you know as if like you were to go into somebody's office and you could be professional and you could present this case and actually get them to see you and humanize you and listen right. we're just getting screened left and right and marissa's right i mean we are just with the follow-up we're, we're not leaving your inbox until you respond. Hey, you know what? I admire the tenacity. <laughs> so with the semester coming to a close and your campaign um, beginning to wrap up, what are some of the big takeaways that you guys are looking forward um, to seeing come to a head or um, seeing like how you plan to integrate it in your own personal lives um, and professional lives outside of the classroom. Uh, So one of, I think one of the key takeaways that I've learned from all of this is like, we had this beautiful plan, right? And we had this list of people we were going to contact for each certain thing. We knew we were going to contact UCT to get a thank you message. We were going to contact this person for social media. What we learned is that doesn't, always go so easily like that maybe not the person who is going to respond maybe we need to find a different department head just that sort of like digging in not letting one ignored email stop you not letting one oh we don't handle that right so okay who does handle that point me in the right direction um so I don't know what you really want to call that but just like constantly digging in until you get to where you need to be So I have a similar answer. One thing that I've been thinking a lot about at work is that, um, you know, as a professional or in any job, you have tasks and then those tasks get prioritized. And so the high priority tasks are the tasks that you want to complete at 100%. You want to put 100% effort and they need to be perfect. And then there are medium priority tasks, which you would love to do at 100%, but you don't have time so that you can do high priority tasks at 100%, medium priority tasks at 100%, and low priority tasks at 100%. And so you have to make concessions. Yep. So the medium priority tasks may get done at 80%, but they're getting done and that's what matters. The low priority tasks, you may have to cut out so that you can focus on the high priority and the medium priority tasks. And especially in a, in a team where you don't, you don't know always where your strengths and weaknesses are, you just have to get the job done as well as you can. 
and and it may not be perfect and that's okay and so so sort of like letting go of some of the perfectionist attitudes that I think a lot of people struggle with is such a good lesson and it's so good to practice and I feel like this campaign um was a really it was a really good lesson in prioritizing and you know um segmenting effort and time and yeah sometimes it's like you gotta done yeah sometimes it's like you gotta go with progress versus perfection exactly one thing I want to add to that because it goes in hand with what Marissa was saying is that when we were talking about we had all of these wonderful tactics that we wanted to implement and some of them just weren't working out right one of the things we thought was such a clever idea was to get professors to read mean or irrelevant um sort of feedback that they've received over the years in this sort of um, mean tweet style. And we, and we were going to make a video and we were really excited about it. We thought it was just going to be great. And we had come up with an entire list of professors to reach out to and we're reaching out and we're just not getting the response and the engagement, right? So professors are saying, oh, I don't have feedback or this isn't working. And we got like two videos. So what we realized is this tactic is not going to be a good deliverable. So we do not need to invest any more time in our, in that, because we're not going to deliver some two little videos. And that's just not the quality we want to deliver. So we need to scrap it. So I think that's kind of like realizing we were really excited about that idea, but we couldn't execute it well enough to make it worth investing our time and to benefit the client. So we had to scrap it. And I think that is an absolutely wonderful thing that you bring up, especially with this being student-led research is quite often we get this idea of things have to be perfect. What's going to happen if I can't execute this 110%, but we're learning and, and we take these opportunities to find the success in failure. And I, I think what you guys are doing with your campaign is pretty amazing. If you haven't seen her on campus, um, all of the, on, on the Hawk TV screens, there are memes that are floating around from this team where they have different teachers from out from throughout pop culture. And they're asking, grade this teacher. Now, was that so hard? Do your course evaluation. <laughs> And they're quite, they're quite witty. They're quite catchy. Um, It's another example of how, you know, brainstorming and ideas and doing different deliverables give you such success. Um, So I wanted to definitely applaud you guys on the efforts that you guys have done because seeing them around campus has been pretty, pretty neat. (laughs) Yeah. Well, thank you. I'm glad that you guys like them. We thought it was a really fun idea. Um, And so I hope that people see them and I hope that of course you you're familiar with us so it does catch your eye but I hope that other people see it because I mean we've got what's his name man I'm so bad at remembering names but like Jack Black not well Jack Black but the other one Walter White Walter White like everybody's (laughs) gonna be like what's Walter White doing on the you know on the computer screen on the tv screen so we're really hoping to catch those people and make them just like look for a second and get their attention and so we're hoping that that works well we are getting close on our time and I wanted to see if you guys had any parting words or statements that you guys wanted to leave with our listeners today before we wrapped up um I don't know I guess if 
I'll just go with like a little bit of advice, which is like in a class like this, when you're working in a team, you have to be super flexible. You have to be super tenacious. Um, and you have to, like Marissa said, you have to be willing to let some of the perfectionism go. I'm a major control freak. I'm a major perfectionist. So this, when it was like a group project, I think I just glazed over and I was like, oh no, <laughs> because I like to be in control of things. But this has been a great exercise in like, you just have to let some things go sometimes and, you know, do your best work, but understand that you can't make everybody do their best work and just be flexible and, you know, get it done. Marissa, do you have any parting, parting wisdoms? Um, don't hate, evaluate. Yes. Love yes, it. <laughs> yes. Well, Tiffany and Marissa, I want to thank you guys so much for taking the time to come out and do this interview with us and share the great work that you guys have been doing on your campaign. Um, I know that the Center for Faculty Development and Dr. Klieva are going to be very proud of everything that you guys have done during this time. So thank you so much for sharing and good luck. (laughs) Yeah, thank you for having us. This was a blast. our student interview segment coming up to a wrap i'm going to hand it off to mars to introduce our next interview so for this interview it's going to be me conducting an interview with dr christine walter Um, she's an associate professor in psychology on our campus and she has a major hand in the course evaluations in this interview i'm going to be talking with her about how they work and why they're so important Today on HSH Presents, we have Dr. Christine Walter, who is in charge of the course evaluations. Dr. Walter, how are you today? I'm doing well. I will clarify, I'm actually not in charge of course evaluations. um, There was an ad hoc committee that was started a couple years ago through Faculty Senate to evaluate how we assessed teaching at UHCL. And I was put in charge of it, mainly because I have a lot of quantitative training and so um, wanted to have me, wanted to have somebody who could really look at it more from a measurement perspective. So how we're measuring something as what, and then work with representatives from all four colleges at UHCL to bring in research from our different disciplines and really look at how we could really determine if our instructors were effective teachers or not. The ad hoc committee continued on for another year and that was where course evaluations came in. And the mission of the committee or the ad hoc group kind of shifted that year because the um, faculty senate presidents discovered that we as an institution weren't doing some of the things we needed to do. So we were supposed to be making some course evaluation data available to our students and that wasn't happening. And the challenge we ran into is all four colleges were using completely different measurement instruments for course evaluations. So we didn't have similar questions that we could present to students, which anytime you're trying to build some sort of a system like that, you need some similarity. 
And so our group was tasked with really coming up with some common questions that could be asked across all four colleges. And then that information could be displayed to students as well as it's still yet to be determined how they're going to be used for other purposes. Uh, originally, the plan was because each college seemed to like the instrument it was using or wasn't really interested in changing the instrument they were using, they weren't going to use these questions. Now there's been some administrative push that, well, it makes it easier when we have these uniform questions. So it's still kind of to be determined the bigger purpose these questions are going to have. That makes total sense. Uh, for some of our viewers, I feel like our viewers know what course evaluations are, but I feel like they don't really know the purpose. What is the purpose of students doing these course evaluations? So the purpose behind course evaluations are really twofold. So the first one is the one that I think most students are aware of, and that is they provide feedback that their instructors can then use to adjust their courses. So when a student tells me that they really like certain assignments, that's something I know I should keep doing versus if there's something that I need to change in the course, if I'm consistently getting feedback from students about things like um, some examples for what's happened in my own courses, I had a study guide for one of my classes and I always made it available about a week before the exam. And then I got some consistent student feedback that was like, you know, it actually really helped if at the beginning of the material, we had that study guide. And that way we could go through, we could work on it, and then we would have more time to review. It's like, that is a really good point. It was something that was easy enough for me to adjust in the course, and I did, and it's worked out really well for students. So again, that's the one that I think really students really know more of is that we're, we as faculty are gonna see those course evaluations and we're gonna take that feedback into account. Course evaluations are also used at other levels though. And so when faculty, um, if we're talking more about adjuncts, when they are applying to work at the institution again, or when they're trying to stay on as adjuncts for lecturers, when they uh, apply to be promoted to senior lecturer, and then for tenure track faculty, so assistant to associate, and then those who go from uh, apply to go from associate to full professor, these are really lengthy processes. And one of the things that's really going to be looked at very and weighed very heavily is teaching. And course evaluations are a way for those who are doing these types of assessments of their colleagues. So peer committees, department chairs, deans, provosts, the president, I mean, all the way up. Ultimately, the vote, at least for tenured faculty, is through the UH Board of Regents. Uh, and so there are a lot of different people who have the potential to look at these things. And if you want to know what somebody's like in the classroom, student evaluations really help with that. Of course, that depends on the type of feedback that we're getting. And that can be the challenge with student course evaluations is that if we're not really getting that feedback or the feedback we are getting isn't really constructive, that as a tool isn't quite as helpful as it could be. Okay, what do you think is preventing students from filling out these course evaluations in a correct way or just filling them out at all? I think a lot of it is students don't know why they should. Like they just don't know what the point of them is. And they also don't know in, in many cases, especially since they've gone online, it feels like it's like Yelp or any other kind of review that they would post. And so they're much more likely to fall back on this. I loved this. I hated this versus some of that more neutral or more constructive feedback. So I think the big problem is students just don't know. They don't, one, they don't know the purpose, which you already pointed out. 
And then the other thing is they just don't know what constructive feedback really looks like. And so they're much more likely to go to the things that they just didn't like about the class rather than thinking about, no, if I'm saying that this person is a, um, this person had us in class the whole time. That's one of my favorite negative critiques uh, from a course evaluation of all time is I had a student who's like, just because the course is scheduled for three hours doesn't mean you need to have us here the whole time. It's like, no, the institution wants me to, if you signed up for a three hour class, they wanna know that I'm keeping you the whole three hours. And so it's just, it, it's helping students to understand. And um, there is some research that shows when students have that understanding, they do provide more constructive feedback when they realize how their evaluations are used, as well as the type of feedback that can be really helpful to faculty. What are some ways that you think we can better inform students about these course evaluations or what they ensue? So I think it helps to have consistent messaging from the university. And that's something that a lot of institutions have found is that when there are multiple message streams that help students to understand that this is what the course evaluations are, this is how they are used, as well as some institutional incentives to encourage students to fill them out. Because we, we especially since course evaluations have gone online, response rates have tanked. We just, we don't get a ton of feedback from students because what's the point? They've got so much else going on in their lives. Why are they gonna sign into this system and fill out this survey that they don't understand its purpose? And it's, I mean, faculty, and I know a number of faculty do try to contextualize and try to explain what the course evaluation is used for, but that can get lost with everything else that we're having to present from class. Because if I post an announcement, it's like, hey, the quiz is due by this date and don't forget about this requirement. And oh yeah, go fill out the course evaluation. I mean, things get muddied. And if you send a bunch of individual announcements, again, students kind of start ignoring you. So it really helps to have more consistent messaging coming from the institution. So from UHCL, from the president's office, from the provost's office, from the deans, sending the information out and saying, hey, course evaluations are open. You may not know this. This is how this information is used. And this is also an opportunity to address some of the implicit biases that come through in course evaluations. So this has to be handled really carefully because if you do not address implicit bias in the correct way, you can actually make it more problematic rather than addressing it. As well as, as I mentioned, incentives. So providing students with a reason other than, hey, this helps, your, this helps your faculty member to make changes in their courses, or this helps us to understand what this person is like in the classroom. There's also these additional incentives about things like, hey, this data is gonna be shared with your fellow students. So you're actually helping other people out. Um, there's this misnomer that students always want stuff. And research actually shows that offering like gift cards and things like that, like, yeah, that's nice, but really tapping into the, hey, you can help other students know what this person is like in the classroom really can help, especially if you have to turn to kind of a pay to play system where you have to provide evaluation data before you get access to the system. What are some ways that you think the university can improve the current course evaluation system? So when we're able to have more classes face to face again, one thing that I think we really need to consider as an institution is not using online course evaluations for face-to-face -face classes. And that really comes from response rates. So when you have a face-to-face -face class, asking students to go online and fill out the course evaluation gets very confusing for them. It's something they have to make time to do. Even if you set time aside in class, they have 
so much other stuff that they want to do that they don't always do it. I mean, I, I teach stats and research methods classes in a computer lab, and I would set aside time when I, we were still able to meet face-to-face. -face. I would set aside time in class for students to fill out the evaluation online, and they still wouldn't do it, even though I had set aside time and we were in a room with computers because they had other stuff that needed to get done. And so even though I'd given them that time, it just still wasn't happening. And when we do paper pencil, I know it requires more processing. I know it's not as efficient, but we not only get a higher response rate, we also get more constructive and more what I would consider more like neutral feedback. Because when things are online, again, we go to that Yelp effect where it's really, really positive stuff come through, really, really negative stuff come through. We don't get a lot of the in-between and that can be where you get the most constructive stuff because these are students who aren't giving you feedback based on emotion. They're giving you feedback based on just more, more concrete um, information from the course and more uh, specific information about their course experience. Some other things that we need to make sure we're doing is assessment. So the questions that that ad hoc group that I worked with developed, um, we need to actually, we, we did a little pilot testing, but we weren't able to collect a lot of data. And we really need to make sure we're assessing any questions that we're using and looking at, are there implicit biases coming through? Are these actually are these actually functioning the way we intended them to? Because if we're going to make major decisions about people's careers and their professional lives based on this information, we need to make sure that we aren't perpetuating some sort of inequities because, oh, hey, these questions look good. And so we need to make sure that we are constantly, we are assessing, we are looking at these things and we are looking at them from multiple lenses. So not just the, oh, hey, this question is differentiating different instructors, but looking for these patterns about, well, are some of our instructors being harmed by these when that was not the intent? Dr. Walter, thank you so much for having this interview with me today. It was very informative. And I just wanna say thank you to our readers for also listening in. And I hope this conversation uh, gives you more insight on why these course evaluations are important. Thanks for such a wonderful interview, Mars. Before we wrap up our show, we have a parting note from Dean Gladden, just giving a couple of wrap up words on our course evaluations and why you should take the time to do them today. Greetings, I'm Interim Dean, Dr. Samuel Gladden, coming to you today with a few words about end of semester course evaluations. Here are some things about course evaluations you might not know. First, course evaluations are completely anonymous. Your professors have no way of knowing whether you completed an evaluation, and if you did, what you wrote or how you scored them. Second, constructive feedback is welcome and encouraged, not only in the numeric ratings of faculty, but also in the comments that you leave telling your professors how class went for you this semester. Think about this for a bit before you complete the evaluation. What went well for you this semester and why? What do you recommend your professor do more of in the future or less of and why? If there were things that didn't go so well for you, things that didn't help you learn as effectively as you might have, what were those things and how might they be more effectively presented 
in the future. The comments that you leave will help your professors become even better teachers. We are an institution committed to excellence in teaching, and our faculty are constantly looking for ways to improve the already fine work that they do. Your comments can guide them along the way. Third, course evaluations are very important in the annual evaluation of faculty. We look at your comments and your ratings closely and take those into account as we evaluate the work your professors have done over the course of the last year. In turn, annual evaluations are very important to the figuring of merit pay for the next year. So your course evaluations have a key role to play in the professional development of your professor. Finally, course evaluations are short. These only take a few minutes to complete. Think about the countless hours your professor has spent this semester preparing for class, delivering instruction, providing feedback on your work, and helping you achieve your class's learning objectives. Hours and hours, week in and week out. I hope you'll take just a few minutes to provide some feedback on the work your professor has done. Now, as the semester comes to an end, I wish you all the best for whatever your summer holds. Take care, and I'll see you again soon. Thank you all so much for listening to this week's HSH update. We'd like to invite you all to return this coming Friday for our next feature show, where we'll be discussing another amazing topic coming up in the College of HSH. Keep up the date with all of the happenings in HSH. Make sure you're following us on our Instagram at UHCLHSH and follow us wherever you listen to your podcast. Our credits for our show this week We'd like to give a big thank you to Tiffany McLeary and Marissa Skidmore from the Evaluation Seekers group from the PR Campaigns class. We'd like to thank Dr. Christine Walther, Taryn Gonzalez for our logo art, Ghost Rifter for our intro and outro music soaring, and we'd also like to thank Dr. Seahorn and Dean Gladden for providing a unique opportunity for Mars and myself and the College of HSH to grow. Thank you so much and catch you on the next episode of HSH Presents.